This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum and thispipelife.com. We thank them for their support of this show, and we thank you for supporting them. You're listening to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John Davis. JD. Hey, Bo. Good evening, man. Man, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just pulled back in from the beach, and so uh, I, I'm I'm quite toasty. Yeah, I was. Uh, you got this glowing. Yeah, I, I think they, they call that a sunburn. Is I, that... It, it's it's called a sunburn. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. There, there's just enough Scotch Irish in me for uh for for me to one uh number one be drunk and number two. <laughs> Uh, be 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 really sensitive to to massive amounts of of sun. So uh, yeah, dude, had a great time. Went to uh, went to Perdido Key, uh, which is just south of Pensacola in Florida, and uh, and had a had a really good time. Went to the Floribama, uh, drank a few bushwhackers. The Flu- is it, well, huh? it, It's it's a bar on the line. It's on the state line. Really, Florida and Alabama. It's called the Floribama. How have I never heard about this? And I, I don't. know. It's been in some country songs. I don't know. I know you're a big country fan, but uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, they they had this signature drink there called a bushwhacker which is basically if you've ever had a frosty uh from wendy's but okay. but maybe you mix it with like rum like that's ooh, that's uh, what that's what a bushwhacker is it's 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 fantastic it, <laughs> it's it? it's fantastic my my traveling companion didn't didn't care for it as much as i did but yeah. i but it was it was you know, after after a couple, you don't taste really anything at all. No, so no, no, no. I fine. mean, the, yeah. the, the John David, this is, this is true. The John David Cole drink of choice, of course, uh, you got the Boodles. But if Boodles is not an option, uh, whatever has the most sugar in it, he typically runs yeah, towards. Yeah, the, the Bushwhacker, you know, it's, it's substituted finally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, good, man. Uh, yeah, you know, we were just talking about this. This last past month, I've been, like, on the road like crazy. Of course, I mentioned um, this past, uh, past, past episode, we did kind of a dedication to my uncle who passed away. And, That's right. Dude, the man embodied New Orleans. I just want to share this real quick because I think it's kind of real, real special. The man was a uh, a devout Catholic, so we, we were having a, a mass, uh, a funeral. Funeral mass. Right. And, uh, but but as a lover of New Orleans, at the end of the funeral, uh, at per his request, uh, in the middle of this big Catholic church, this brass band starts playing. We do a <laughs> New Orleans-style funeral line into um, great. basically a party that was essentially like a wedding reception yeah. because the man yeah. also loved weddings. And uh, I got awesome. to tell you, it was when that band started playing i both laughed and cried incredibly hard because it was so perfect yeah yeah, uh, yeah. such a perfect way to send off uh send off somebody who meant so much to me uh man i that's, I, that's great man you know we we're, we're we're sitting here and um you know we actually are about to do kind of two dedications in a row here because you know the pipe industry itself has kind of had a, a significant loss here yeah I, I, actually i think this happened today but um but stephen books uh passed away today uh from from a long battle with cancer um we've mentioned stephen before stephen uh is one of the Probably most famed brick and mortar tobacconists uh, out there mm. uh, that that was loved. Certainly a giant in the 20th century, um, and and his shop, the House of Calabash in Oregon, uh, is frankly just legendary. Uh, you know, you can uh, read reviews of his of his uh, tobaccos, and literally this guy was you know had had blended for decades. I think almost if if not at least 60 years, maybe over 60 years. I mean, we're talking like a, a literal lifetime of, of of legacy when it comes to tobacco blending. And he's one of these people that um, I had n- never had the option, the opportunity to meet him, but 
He's one of these people I always heard when you did interact with him. Uh, you know, he would he would recall blends that he you know had made in like the '70s or the '60s, and he could actually go back and 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 pull out some. He's like, maybe I still got some of that back there, kind of thing, and uh, remembered what you know what he was thinking when it went into it. He was always pushing the envelope too, things like uh, deer tongue and uh, we we mentioned before rose petals, tea yeah. leaves, all yeah. kinds of interesting things that he would introduce into the into the tobaccos just to give it uh, some different interesting flavors. And so, um, I mean, just a, just, a, just a real giant, particularly for, you know, brick-and-mortar tobacconists, one of those places, the House of Calabash, was just uh, a, a bucket list tobacconist for a lot of folks. Um, his daughter, Ava, is actually carrying this on. And so mm. uh, she's been blending for, for Stephen as he's battled with cancer and, and stuff like that. So a lot of their, uh, you know, top blends, their favorite blends are still available. Uh, she's going to keep blending, has been obviously well-trained over her lifetime. Uh, but we just want to honor uh, the House of Calabash, Stephen Books. He um, truly is a giant in the uh, in the t- pipe tobacco blending world. You know, certainly in the United States. And uh, man, we just uh, we honor you and um, yeah, and salute you, you and uh, and and uh, yeah, appreciate all the stuff that that Stephen did uh, in his incredible career. Absolutely, so, yeah. man. Well, hey, um, joining us tonight, by the way, for the first time uh, as we broadcast live here. Uh, shout out to Dr. Allen. Uh, first time in, listener, first time, first time, well, first time live uh, listener. Oh, that's over great, in, uh, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, uh, and fantastic. As, as the Canadians say, hello. Do they say that? I, I think they just say hello. <laughs> I, I, I think that's right, but I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. Hey, yeah, we we uh we, we love that you're here, and uh, we that's, appreciate man, you that's here, great. Man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for hopping on. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so we also have uh, you know uh, some some big news coming up, uh, big events happening here in the pipe world, and actually right. getting kind of quick up here. Yep. And of course, I'm talking about the Texas Pipe Show. That's right. That's right. So uh, October 7th uh, coming up real soon. Oh, not, not quite a month away, but uh, man, we are so excited. Uh, we definitely want to mention a, a few things regarding. The Texas Pipe Show. Of course, if you're uh, anywhere within driving distance, this is certainly going to be worth your your effort to come. Uh, just they're going to have pipe carvers and vendors from all over, which will be uh, a lot of fun. You'll be exposed to um, you know well-known folks in the industry. Uh, you know, different companies will be there. I know Lane and uh, Scandinavian Tobacco Group will be present, so you have the opportunity to try a bunch of their tobaccos. But um, one of the centerpieces of this event, which we're so excited about. Um, is, of course, the Slow Smoke competition. Mm, and Country mm. Squire Radio and the Country Squire were really proud to be uh, a sponsor of the Slow Smoke competition there. Um, and, and just want to let you know, you can actually sign up for that at their uh, at their website. Their you website need to go ahead and, and, and make and that And you need, you need to sign up a, a ahead of time is kind of what they're requesting here. Okay. So, uh, so go to texaspipeshow.com. Uh, our friends uh, that have organized the Texas Pipe Show have done a great job uh, with this website, all the promotions. It's just real clean and and a super easy to navigate website. But if you go to texaspipeshow.com, uh, at the very top, you'll see Slow Smoke. Uh, competition, uh, and you can actually sign up for that online. And so, uh, I mean, we're just so excited to be be a part of that and uh, to see that thrive. And I'm I'm eager to see uh, see how that'll how that'll go. So, and, and I'll say this too: I'll be competing, and I, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, whoever gets out right before and right after me, if you if you are out right out before or right after me, uh, I, I want I want to get you on mic. You don't have to if you're, <laughs> if you're mic shy, but if uh, if you ever wanted your chance to come on Country Squire Radio, we'll we'll do a quick uh, onset that interview. That could be fun. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. The, the, uh, the person you vanquished and the person who vanquished you. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's good. Exactly. Oh, I like that. And just yeah. so you know, I am merciful in my victory. I just asked John David Cole, who that's I have bullcrap. absolutely destroyed, <laughs> uh, in the only time that we ever competed. So you know, like you know, I'm, I'm very 
very I'm very <laughs> merciful in, in victory. One of these, I, I'll, I'll never live that down. The only way I'll live that down is if I come back at some point and beat you. You're not even gonna. You're not even gonna compete. But you're the thing scared. is, I'm too scared, so I won't try. <laughs> that's that's the problem with the. That's the problem with it. Like I'm even terrified. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm literally making the blend for the slow smoke competition. I literally will have the Home opportunity to make make the leaves to my advantage, and I still am too terrified to do it. But 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 I know you oh, are not man. if you're listening. And you, if you uh, if you're on your way to the Texas Pipe Show, be sure to to get on there and sign up. Also. Um, uh, as we all know, uh, particularly in America, uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, mm. uh, which has just just destroyed uh, so much of the Texas coast, Houston, Corpus mm-hmm. Christi, other other towns, just all throughout that area, Beaumont. Um, you know, the, those communities have just been really destroyed. Uh, so what the what the Texas show is doing, they've actually taken a lot of their uh, the raffle stuff that they're going to be doing, and the proceeds for for that is actually going to go to Texas charities to help uh, to help with that with that relief effort. And so uh, we applaud them for that. We really hope that y'all uh, participate in that. There's a lot of folks that have donated uh, items for that kind of thing. What's really cool, and this is just so amazing, it shows the tight you know knit pipe community that we're a part of. But mm-hmm. uh, folks in the pipe smoking community have actually been sending care packages to folks in Houston and the surrounding communities right because on. a lot of these a lot of these people uh, you, you know you've connected maybe with people on your favorite online forum maybe uh, you know one of the online uh, tobacco magazines or um, you know Facebook group or something like that you sure. know people in Texas and so a lot of folks have actually been sending uh, care packages to these folks in Houston uh, and and not just that but but actually pipe smoking care packages a lot of folks in that part of the world actually they lost their they, lo- they actually their lost all, all their collection they lost Man. their pipes they lost their tobaccos they lost literally everything and so uh you know a, a lot of times when you're scraping and trying to get by uh you know maybe one of the one of the last things on your mind is oh all my you know my hobby supplies or whatever but but you know it it, it brings back that sense of like connectedness and humanity uh that that one little provision of man this this person sent me uh sent me a pipe and some tobacco uh wow that's just uh it's really precious and so we we want to uh give a shout out to everyone who's who's helped with that and uh, or, and and really commend the Texas Pipe Show for for uh, you know kind of getting behind the effort to to help folks in that part of the world. Yeah, I mean not to jump ahead, but of course you know we're we're doing a Heroes of the Bowl. But if you're actually doing that, if you're if you're you know given to uh, these these efforts to help support the people in Houston, and uh, you know even in our our kind of little corner donating your your pipes or your tobacco uh, to to help replenish the sellers out there of. Uh, those who are experiencing some some real some real tragedy right now, you guys, you guys and gal, y'all are the heroes. Of the bowl. You're the hero of the bowl. Absolutely. That's right. Well, hey, um, we also, uh, man, we've we've got some uh, some great things going on here in the the local area as well. That's uh, right. Of course, the Jackson Pipe Night, October twenty eighth. October twenty eighth. That is right. We're going to have. What can people expect at the Jackson Pipe Night? You know, we've done this. Uh, this will be the fourth year in the row now, and so uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Of course, we'll have a slow smoke competition here. Mm. Um, the folks from all over the south. Texas have, is just have practice, come, baby. Just practice, right? <laughs> uh, no, we, we've got folks that will come from literally all over the southeast and um, come compete in the slow smoke. We'll have live music. We'll have uh, lots of food, strong drinks. Uh, you know, and and it should just be uh, should be a lot of fun. But hmm. um, anyway, we always do the top three winners of the slow smoke competition win uh, a brand new pipe. Uh, those uh, sponsors that that have graciously donated these pipes will be announced very soon. Uh, and, and we've also almost got all three of those locked down, which are which are really great. So um, anyway, just really excited about it. Uh, October twenty eighth here at the Country Squire in Jackson, Mississippi. 
Mississippi. Uh, we may or may not be, you know, doing some some streaming or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll oh, figure yeah. all that out. I but mean, I know we've done some periscoping before and things like that. But, I think the last two um, to three, I've always uh, streamed yeah. at least my my even like even my shame I put out there publicly. So <laughs> it's great. Um, I'm, like I'm, I'm out be of a practice. Lot of fun. I'm yeah. out of practice. So I'm hoping that Texas does warm me up for yeah. For, be good. You know, what, what's what's going to happen here? Because you know, if I if I fail in Texas, I will be embarrassed in in you know in in the pipe community broadly. But I'd rather do that than be embarrassed in the local pipe community. <laughs> Because I can handle. You have to actually deal with these people. I can turn off Twitter. I can't turn off the Squire. No, you know no, I mean? you have to come up here, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. But it, it should be a lot of fun, and, and we're uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, hey man, before we j- dive into tonight's topic, we've uh, we got to give some shout outs to some new club members. That's right, man. man it's exciting. International uh, Pipe Club, of course, the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club now has two brand new members joining here at the Pilgrim level. Big shout out to Casey Raid. Casey Reed. Yep. <laughs> as well as Ian Lo, I actually I don't know why I mispronounced Ian, considering the fact that, that is Ian Lo Lo Lashiavo, Lashiavo, Lashiavo. I had a I had a fraternity brother with that exact same Did last you, name. Is it Ian? And, and I bet I, it, Did you go to college. It with is Ian? not. It is not Ian. But I well no. Wait, what I, was your Greek? What what was your? What was I, your I was a I was a Fidel. Ian, but, were you a Fidel? I don't think he. I, maybe he, might have he changed was a Fidel. His name. No, maybe based he on did. what happened in the Fidel hell. No, house, he had to get on the run and change his name. No, he did. A lot of us did. <laughs> I, did, did have I told you all the story? Have I got my name? Have I mentioned that on on the radio show so. before? You want to throw it out there? I, well, I mean, I you know, I, the first eighteen years of my life, I went by Jonathan. The first, what? the first eighteen years of my life, what? I, like everyone knew me as Jonathan. Like Game my, changer. My parents called me Jonathan. They, you know, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, people would say John or something, but I was, I was just Jonathan all through high school, middle school. I was, it was just Jonathan. Okay, and, my entire world has been turned upside down. All right, right so, now. so, 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 flash forward, we're we're, we're freshmen in college, uh huh, and there were there were two Jonathan Coles in my pledge class in my fraternity. Okay. I can't believe I've never mentioned this on the air. So, that, so there are two Jonathan Coles uh, in my fraternity. My my name was Jonathan David, and the other name, the other guy's name was Jonathan Wayne. And they were not going to call oh, him John Wayne. On. They were not going to call him John Wayne. And, and they eventually cut him anyway. He didn't make it. But <laughs> but <laughs> so you but, took out John Wayne. So I took I took out John Wayne. John da- John David Jonathan the became Jonathan became people. John David and then took out John Wayne. Oh snap! And and uh, and so and uh, you know John David just it just kind of stuck. And and after a while, that's you know I after a couple of years, like I just began to think of myself as John David and all my friends call me John David. And, you know, it, generally my mom calls me John David and, you know, dad sometimes will cool. call me John David. It's just, you know, fair, I'm just John David now. And so, and, and that's how it's been since I was 18. And so, wow. uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, uh, Ian, I didn't La- know you were getting the John David origin story. Ian Lasciavo, you you brought <laughs> us to that. You 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 know you you brought us to that. We thank you for joining the club. And now because of <laughs> our walk down memory lane with probably not you, but someone have hey, with a similar been. name as I'm you, that now we uh, now everyone knows why I have the name that I, I went. I, I had a read. <laughs> I had a read uh, uh, in my in my college dormitory. So Casey, you if, mean you had to read? No, no, no. 
<laughs> no, I can't read. That's 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 really. What oh no, we all, we've established that. Yeah, that's for weird. for literally four years now, we've established that on Country Squire Radio. Absolutely, <laughs> guys. Thank y'all so much for supporting us, joining yeah, the club, Casey and Ian. We appreciate it a bunch. And hey, if you've not done so already, head over to CountrySquireRadio.com. There's a big banner that says "Join the Club" right there for all the details. Uh, you know, it's it's a great way to help support the creation of the show. You get some good digital goods. Also, you get access to the uh, the uh, club lounge as well, the Facebook lounge as well, and uh, <laughs> which is my favorite online uh, Facebook group that I'm a part of. <laughs> no, right? Y'all are awesome over there. So um, anyway, join the, join the club, be part of the community, yep. uh, help grow the show, uh, just like Casey and Ian, and uh, thank you guys so much for doing it. All right, man, we have got a... This, are, this will be a fun episode. This is going to be... This is interesting. So we're, we're doing a Heroes of the Bowl, as we alluded to earlier in the show. Um, and Heroes of the Bowl is a series that we do whenever we talk about pipe smokers of history and or fiction. Uh, you know, and typically the way that we actually do this is we, we take a, a, a significant pipe smoker from history as well as a significant pipe smoker from uh, 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 fiction, and we kind of pair them up. You do history, I do fiction. Now, on occasion... We will have somebody that walks the line, if you will, to be so much involved in both history and fiction, they, they kind of deserve their own episode. Um, you know, and that is definitely the case of the pipe uh, smoker that we're talking about today, the hero of the bowl that we're talking about today. And of course, I'm talking about the legendary uh, Walt Disney. Walt Disney. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, you know, a, a, just an American cultural icon, you know, a, a, a semi-inventor of an entire industry. You he know? imagineered the term imagineering. Did he really? I don't know. That might have been somebody else from inside <laughs> the company. But, but he certainly imagineered the term Epcot. <laughs> that's, <right? laughs> that's true. Which man. we still don't know what it means. Actually, we do, and we'll get to that later. Well, and so that's the thing. Before we even even attempt to discuss uh, to jive into this discussion, there we we got to we got to put out a couple of uh, of you know kind of uh, precursors, just kind of the the cliff notes, the notification, the asterisk, if you will, and that's to point out that we've actually talked about. Um, you know the impact of Disney as, as in terms of the company itself. Uh, in in some previous episodes, we actually did the dichotomy of Disney. Yeah, that's right. Talking about kind of the love hate relationship uh, that that has been the history of Disney when it comes with to with tobacco products and yeah, pipes and cigars and all that. Pipes and cigars, the the premium products that are out there. Uh, and of course, you know Walt Disney played into that to some extent. And in in that series, we actually had our uh, you know our our podcasting uh, brother slash nemesis slash uh, Obi Wan Kenobi the the man that the man the legend the uh the the, the the professor yeah I mean like like yeah yeah I mean like the the one that that you you if you know of us you know of him we're talking of course about Brian uh, Brian Austin Green that was last <laughs> <laughs> Brian Austin Green Levine the other the other guy that, that married <laughs> Megan Fox now we're talking about Brian Levine that's right that's, that's right that's man who we're talking and of course about. Brian Brian is the expert in the in the tobacco and Disney you know, amalgam. I mean, he is he is where the two meet. Exactly. He really is. And so, you know, we're going to talk about Walt Disney tonight, but we really encourage you to check out a lot of Brian's resources. We uh, are so grateful he was, you know, came on our show. Uh, gosh, I guess it's been a couple of years ago now to oh, wow. to talk about, uh, you know, the D- Disney and just, uh, you know, the incredible connections there. Uh, it, Brian, I, I love this, and you can actually see photos of some of his collection online, but uh, Brian actually has over the years collected Disney tobacchiana. I mean, Disney Disney stuff that, uh, you know, he actually procured at uh, or, you know, collected from people that, that bought these Disney items, uh, tobacco products at the theme parks. You know, it's really interesting. They used to uh, be tobacco shops.
shops at the Disney theme parks, which is uh, which is really kind of kind of fascinating. So uh, anyway, Brian, uh, you know this is this uh, is kind of a, a shout out to you. We uh, you know definitely uh, will will cede the expertness uh, in in your in your corner. We, we acknowledge <laughs> we acknowledge we're walking around in daddy's shoes. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's like, right. Yeah, that's we, right. We we know we we know what's up. <laughs> so so I'm pre- sure I'm sure a short joke is going to come out of the fact that you just said acknowledge walk around in daddy's yeah, shoes. Yeah, no, but, I would I would. But with Brian, you, we just assume that we just assume that. <laughs> We just assumed that. Um, all right, so Walt Disney himself. Walt Disney, that's right. Born in 1901, uh, a pioneer, obviously, of the animation industry. A lot of folks, you know, we're so a, a used to Disney now. And, and I think, you know, for me anyway, you know, looking into this and, and we've talked when we've talked about Disney before, um, I always forget just kind of how prolific and long-lasting this Disney stuff is. Like, we, we're talking about Disney and th- people think Mickey Mouse... Dumbo, you go to the park and you wait too long in the line. That that's that's kind of what you think about. But but th- we're talking about the currently the second largest media empire in the world. Yeah, right after Comcast, and no one likes Comcast. <laughs> so like, so yes. So I'm ju- I'm just saying like that th- you know we're we're talking about a man an individual that uh, you know were, was doing things in the early 20th century we're talking he got his start as an animator at age 18 this mm. was before 1920 yeah okay and and then continued on to to build um you know the media empire that we know today uh and and uh and 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 so we we think okay you know we we equate it with you know uh, Donald Duck and Goofy and you know all these other stuff yeah and the, the Cinderella Castle and all this yeah. but but it, it is so much more than that and 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 it, and all that springs from who Disney was as an individual he was just he was an amazing person that that's exactly true and I mean it's important to kind of separate that going in because a, a lot of people I, mean, I say a lot of people there's there's different camps when it comes to looking at Disney as in the organization yeah um, you know there are super fans of Disney you know you, just in the Disney podcasting world alone there is tons of podcasts dedicated to every single aspect of that company and there's significant fan base there there's also people that look at it as kind of this evil you know corporate uh yeah structure disney that, owns abc they own espn exactly I mean, yeah I mean, they've, they've bought up all huh. your childhood and, and all this other stuff and you know the, the other factor too is that you know even re- very recently in some of their their recent acquisitions of course now they own marvel now they own star wars i mean they, they have grown to this kind of massive thing now uh, that being said, I also think that the company has done some really great things of course. with both Marvel and Star Wars. So, you know, you look at some of the practices of, you know, other, you know, CEOs or COOs of the company and, and you kind of see some dirty business that has happened. We're not talking about that per se. We're talking about the man that we're talking started. about the man and the legend himself. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, who, who, you know, at the same time, he's, he, you know, he was, was not a perfect man. Of course, he held stances that uh, we would not, uh, we would not necessarily endorse, but you cannot deny the genius behind, That's you right. know, creating, uh, you know, the, the early days of, of what. Disney has become today. That's right. That's right. Uh, Walt Disney, of course, uh, you know, early 20th century, he got his start uh, actually in the professional drawing industry before age 20. So even at age 18, he was hired to be an illustrator. Uh, And you kind of think, okay, an illustrator you know, in the 1910s. That's I mean, that's just, school. that is crazy, man. Like, I mean, who, what are you illustrating at that point? Like the back <laughs> of a, the back, the back of a milk carton. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's just amazing. So, um, 
in his early 20s, he, you know, obviously very precocious, uh, very young, uh, young person, but extremely smart and ambitious. He moved uh, with his brother to to uh, California and opened Disney Brothers Studio mm. uh, in 1923, which we now know, of course, as the Walt Disney Corporation uh, and so or the Walt Disney Company. So uh, his brother Roy Disney, were, they were partners. Uh, eventually, you know, Walt Disney. I, I don't really know the family dynamic there, but Walt Disney kind of uh, became more the driving force there and was the larger personality. Um, you know, but they just began cranking out these incredible uh, these incredible pieces. You know, over the years, you had. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the freaking, you know, <laughs> Mickey Mouse in 1928. And then mm-hmm. it went from there to uh, Snow White, 1937, Fantasia and Pinocchio in 1940, uh, Dumbo in 1941, Bambi in 1942. And, and I think this is kind of gets to what I was talking about or trying to get to earlier. Um, when we think of Disney, we think of, you know, we, we think of the here and now because all that's here and now. Like our, our kids today grow up with Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah. Our kids today grow up with Donald Duck and Goofy and all these other characters. And, and of course, we did, Bo. Um, and so we don't think of it as being that that ancient. But, but I mean, he got started. You know, Mickey Mouse was his first appearance was in the... Um, Steamboat Willie in 1928. That's right. I mean, which is just, it's incredible. They well, think that's that's over 85 years ago. Yeah. That's in- nuts. Interesting kind of fun factoid, of course, uh, and, and, you know, uh, people who are kind of interested in, in Disney and the origin story of Mickey Mouse will, will recognize the name of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Uh, which That's was, right. It's kind of the precursor. He was right? the precursor, and he was a character that uh, the Disney and and, uh, and and fam came up with. Um, however, they came up with it while they were working for Universal. So Universal came in and be like, "Ah, uh-uh, we we own this." And so Disney was like, "What? Well, I'm I'm not down with that. I want to <laughs> I want to be able to own the characters that I create." And so that led to the creation of Mickey Mouse. And it's one of these things that if you line these two characters up, other than the ears, there's not a whole lot different. There's not a lot yeah. in the early days. Absolutely. And this is before you know you talk about that Steamboat Willie cartoon. That was really the first time that you know obviously uh, Mickey Mouse had his debut. But the character hadn't necessarily had a personality develop. And one of the things that you actually see over a lot of his characters, Goofy, Donald. Uh, many they they all over the course of several iterations were reimagined with different personalities you know the the mickey mouse that we know today would seem a little bit different from the mickey mouse of you know the, the steamboat Willie of course era. yeah absolutely even i mean even physically these these oh, characters yeah. <laughs> have, have evolved quite a bit you, you know, know what's something i did not realize and until we started doing some research for this episode you about to talk about the gloves well no not the gloves although that is interesting that's, a, that's interesting but, but no it's it's the it's the tail it's that uh you know somewhere along the way mickey mouse has lost his tail and I don't think I ever even You know, I never even thought about that. I know, right? Yeah. Because in the original cartoons, the earlier cartoons, he always had his tail. He lost his tail and he got gloves. Yeah, he he got gloves. Maybe he hides his tail in his glove. Well, I... I Maybe he made his gloves out of his tail. I would imagine the pants that probably (laughs) tucked in there. I mean, yeah, cartoon anatomy is kind of weird as it is, but... But no, no. I, uh, Why I, do they have four fingers? I don't get it. I, it's the weirdest <laughs> thing, but I never really thought about the fact that, uh, you know, in the modern era, you really don't even see Mickey Mouse's tail. That's interesting. I've never made that connection. Another fun factoid. You know who the uh, the first voice actor to portray Mickey Mouse was? Was it was it Walt Disney? It was Walt Disney. Is it, he did it himself. He did it himself, yeah. yeah. Just amazing. He You know, he was such a pioneer of, of these different animation uh, you know, uh, conventions, I guess. And so was, was always going to what he thought would be the most, uh, you know, most accepted down the road and all that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, his, uh, he was just very, uh, very ambitious, always pushing the envelope with, mm-hmm. with animation. And, and I think that's why you saw his pyre, his, um, empire, uh, just increase so rapidly there. Um, really amazing. He, you know, 
Go ahead. Well, I just you know the the big the big differentiator. You know, not only was was Mickey such a you know just you instantly attached to him, and even Walt would go on to kind of describe the fact that you know a mouse is something that that you know universally you can kind of you can kind of root for because it's the small creature that everybody yeah. is scared of, despite the fact that they are so meek and it's and, so tiny and tiny. Yeah. Um. But but really, what it was that set him apart is the fact that when Steamboat Willie came out in in the Mickey Mouse cartoons, they introduced sound into the listening. Or into the viewing experience. So that was actually a part of the advance there. Was Absolutely. The, just the introduction of sound itself. Yeah, in much in much the same way that you think of like what Star Wars did for special effects. Sure. Or even like, you know, yeah. Avatar, which I've never actually seen, but but right. you know, the way that that kind of incorporated 3D. Like the tech, the, the audio. Technology of audio right. was so instrumental into the building up of what made Mickey Mouse so special. That's Not, crazy. He was wow. special on his own. But, but, that, but the fact that that was there was really what kind of drove everybody to stop with they were doing go to the theaters and experience this new form of animation with actually audio attached to yeah, it. Yeah, of course, of course, Disney himself had the you know the vision behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's just incredible to to see all the first that he kind of came out with. He he eventually kind of developed a a little a little crew around him. He he was such a guru in this animation stuff that he um, he developed what what became to be known as his nine old men, the, 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 <laughs> which I which I love. And he referred to him as nine the nine old men. It's oh, really wow. yeah, really yeah. great. But the nine old men, you go look them up. You know, these were animators that uh, were wound up. You know, they were. T- typically a little younger than he was, but uh, these were all people that, uh, you know, he, as as time went on, he leaned on more and more and began to take over real serious roles and kind of helping him develop and craft some of these storylines. And so uh, and these were these were the the animators of the golden era of animation. Okay, Man, so yeah. Walt, Walt Disney and these nine guys, it's really interesting too, if you look uh, back, there's, there's um, neat stories of how modern day animators can all trace their family lineage back through those people to Walt what? Disney. And so it's kind of like, it was kind of like, you know, I hate to, uh, I, I don't want to be irreverent, but, you know, to to go there potentially, uh, you've got, you know, Disney, his disciples, and then they kind of, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of filter that through to, to, to this greater mass. And, and a lot of the best animators in the world today can uh, in some way trace their lineage it back makes be- sense. because of that. They That's defined right. the industry. I they mean, really did. They really did. And actually, you know, you can find, you know, several, and, I, you know, we, we are going to talk about pipe usage and <laughs> but but it, it is it's just fascinating because you can actually look to those early days of Disney animation and how things were reused and I think I, I remember yeah. this as a kid yeah. even like you know seeing the um, the way that like Baloo the bear would move and reminded me of uh, um, Little John from the uh, from the Robin Hood you remember Robin Hood's a fox yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. like like there's a lot of sequences where a it's the same bear like it's just straight up the same bear because they were reusing those early cells, even reusing the cell animated. Yeah, and so that's why you know you think about how long it took you know before the you know the, the computer era, right? Before before we actually had uh, the the computing power that we have today, and and you know how you know with no disrespect to any animators or illustrators that that are you know in the industry today, but sure. I mean, if you compare what what they had to work with then, it was it took forever. So some of the the techniques that they would use to be able to recreate and recycle and and make sure that nothing got wasted. Right, right. Um, was I mean, it's fantastic. They're they, really remarkable. They define the industry. Yeah, re- really remarkable. Um, as as Disney got older, uh, of course, he he began to turn more and more of the creative stuff over to the these nine old men, and so a lot of these guys uh, actually wound up running in them in their own right the Disney Empire, which is which is interesting. Disney began to have this kind of. Um, 
obsession with the theme park model with, mm. with this with this model of like okay we're gonna build a holistic experience where you don't just see it on tv you go experience it you're gonna uh, dwell within it it's not a shop you go to it's it's literally surrounding you and so um you know in, in 1955 uh that's when disneyland opened of course disneyland in anaheim california uh he tried really hard to to make the experience at Disneyland uh, be very self-encompassing, self, you know, it, in, inclusive. It was just all you never had to leave. It was it was one uh, big experience uh, that you could spend a whole day at. And so, uh, you know, the, it, just to show you some of the success. Um, you know, they had 3.5 million guests in their first year. Oh, stop, and, yeah. and you've got to think this is 1955, okay? Like, <laughs> like I mean, 3.5 million guests. And, and you know, we're talking about just, you know, this is something, you know, it wasn't easy to travel at that point from New York to California, particularly if you, you know, didn't make, you know, just tons of money. And right, so, right, right. You know, I mean, it, that's that's a big deal uh, kind of going forward. Uh, he, he was became, you know, kind of regretful, though, about how, you know, Disneyland, uh, you know, was uh, laid out. There were things that he wanted to change. He he really he didn't know the property around. His, he, he, he didn't know the property. He, he increased the property value for the entire surrounding area of Disneyland. Exactly. And, didn't, and, and you know, that's the other thing. He was he was a creator, an inventor, a genius. He was a businessman. He was a businessman, and he, he was an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah that absolutely. He had increased the value for all this property around him that he didn't get a chance. To but he but for. he didn't get to see the the benefits and the, <laughs> right. and the revenue of that. And so. It really shows you as as Disney began to turn more of the creative stuff over to these nine old men, uh, he he began to focus more. Okay, how do we take this storyline? How do we take this all encompassing thing and and really turn it into a cash cow? <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, and and he was he was very uh, very you know sh- uh, shrewd at, at this. So um, what what's so cool when he wound up uh, developing Disney World, what what we now know as as Walt Disney World, mm. um, this this kind of uh, venture started or it at least became a idea in the late 1950s. And then uh, somewhere around 1960, Disney, I, I just love this story. There's been whole entire books. There's a, written on this classes on real estate, you know, taught about this, all this kind of stuff. But Disney set up all these shell corporations. Okay. <laughs> and, and they were all, they were all, uh, you know, named in different names and, uh, and things like that. I mean, random stuff like, you know, the, the, Port Authority of this, or the you know exclusive development company of Nicaragua, or what? I mean, it was just all this weird stuff that had literally no you know no association with the idea of Disney or you know any of that at all. No Mickey Mouse. Um, no Mickey Mouse at all. And so uh, you know, and and he under these shell corporations, he started buying all this land in Central Florida. It's just so amazing to me to think about uh, to to think about the the brilliance of that. And so with these dummy corporations, he bought all this central land, uh, it, land in Central Florida. Uh, to hide his intentions, that way he was able to keep the prices really, really low right. of the land. So, because uh, if they knew Disney World was coming, yeah, I mean, it, it, at that point, and so uh, eventually, what's fascinating about the story is, you know, Disney he um, was incredibly, such an incredible, incredibly self conscious person, and a lot of folks think, you know, we'll we'll talk about his tobacco usage in a minute, but a lot of folks think that the that the self consciousness, the nervousness that he had, mm-hmm. as as much of a person as he portrayed of strength and. Uh, 
uh, peace and you know uh, uh, you know just uh, contentment and all these other things. He was a very nervous person, and so a lot of folks think that that kind of contributed to some of this uh, <laughs> some of this is this t- tobacco usage. But um, you know, o- over the years, he he you know as he was building up all these different plots of land, kind of uh, the, the word started to get out. The, the word started something you know something was something was going on. The local papers started realizing these plots of land were uh, you know being bought next to each other. Uh, yeah, they were different sizes and by different companies, but something had to be going on. A lot it of folks, seems a little weird. A lot of folks actually thought maybe because NASA was so close in in eastern Florida oh, wow. at Cape Canaveral that maybe it was uh, something uh, developing there to support NASA. You know, the, they knew something though was was really uh, beginning to happen there. And so finally, in 1965, Disney uh, kind of kind of let his cards be known, and he came out and and mentioned that uh, his Florida project, the the Walt Disney World, was coming about. And so his idea with Disney World is not exactly what it came. Uh, to eventually be. He wanted Disney World to be a theme park. He wanted it to include theme parks, but but he saw it more as a, and, and this is where the idea of Epcot comes from. Epcot actually stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Yeah. That's crazy. But but that was, you know, that that is as, you know, kind of... Um, stilted as that is like that that is what his central concept for this development was he wanted disney world to be a place where yeah you go visit and you do rides and you interact with you know mickey mouse and your favorite characters and you know you stay on the property and you buy food on the property and all this stuff like you 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 do that but he wanted it to almost be like an incubator for the technology of tomorrow. He wanted people living on site, uh, working on site in a community where they were uh, pushing the envelope of daily living experience. Kind of think of it as it, it really like an incubator of tomorrow's technology. Okay, and, and and so he had this grandiose idea of you know this is Disney World potentially is going to be you know, the development leader, almost like a, like a university research center for, you know, tomorrow's living and working, uh, kind of environment. And, um, and, and right as he was formulating these plans and, and finalizing some of that, uh, he died, he yeah. died in 1966. And so, uh, you know, he was really the only person that probably could have spearheaded something like that. And so, you know, after he passed away a lot, you know, the folks that took over the, uh, the development, uh, including his brother, Roy, uh, they just kind of torpedoed a lot of those plans. It was just a little too aggressive. And so uh, what we know today is Disney World, of course, is the largest theme park on Earth. Uh, and, and you know, it, it does have this Epcot, but it's uh, much more of a, a museum-like experience than a place where people live uh, on site and they're doing all this stuff. Uh, having said that, you know, they do on site at Disney World grow a lot of their own food, uh, use a lot of hydroponic technology. And, oh, it's you know, a whole— kinda, It's really interesting. It's if you've never been, you, 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 need to, you need to go. And we, you know, the, the great thing is, you, know, you talk about kind of his vision for tomorrow. There was actually a ride, and and this is true of a lot of different rides. There, uh, there was actually a ride called uh, the Carousel of Progress, and the goal of this was to kind yeah, of communicate technology over the era. Um, and this this kind of you know gets to the the mindset of Walt Disney. You know, he's he's often photographed with a pipe in his hand. You know, he was uh, definitely a fan of tobacco, um, but not just the pipe. Uh, he he also kind of dabbled pretty. Uh, hard into some elements of the tobacco realm that we would 
not necessarily. No, we discouraged. Yeah, we, we we would frown upon, but that's right. But he was definitely a fan of the pipe as well, and uh, and so you know, and you saw that actually in a lot of the exhibits, uh, animatronics. That's you know, right. You talk about his, his the way that he was pushing forth technology. You know, a lot of what was done in robotics and animatronics and recording kind of human movement uh, went into the development for this particular ride of uh, Carousel Tomorrow. The host of that ride was this animatronic. Uh, father figure. And so it was him and his family throughout the ages as technology would progress, but always... He was holding a pipe. He right? was holding that a it? pipe. That's Absolutely. right. That's right. And and you you did gotta get the sense that it was Walt Disney. In fact, there's a great video that you can find of Walt Disney walking you through uh, the the carousel of progress in which he's showcasing this technology they've developed to be able to record human movement. Yeah. And uh, he says and he offers the animatronic a light to light up his pipe. Uh, and then right before he actually lights the pipe, he's like, "Oh well, we're on set. We probably shouldn't smoke." <laughs> on set. It's, it's a nice little moment. Um, also, you know, I, I mentioned that uh, you know we were relatively recently. In, in Disneyland uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and and one of the things that I noticed is you know you would actually see like for example in um, the, uh, the the Main Street USA if, if you go into the fire department uh, the firefighters obviously had a pipe collection they actually the pipes are unfortunately no longer there but their pipe stands are still there that's and, interesting uh, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 they've got a whole carousel pipe stand that's there with an ashtray and everything else and you know you can see the remnants of what was in the early days a very kind of strong pipe and cigar presence that's right one of the things we mentioned as part of the dichotomy of Disney is the fact that in Disneyland, and I believe Disney World as well, you actually had pipe and cigar shops. You could get branded Disney, uh, Walt Disney pipes, branded Walt Disney cigars. Uh, you know, our, our friend Brian Levine actually gifted me, I meant to bring it tonight, but he gifted me a uh, an old Walt Disney uh, pipe, uh, I'm sorry, cigar box, uh, you know, branded and these, everything. These are, these are, these are brand, I mean, these are cigars that have Mickey Mouse on the cigar. Right. Like, it's so, it's, it's wonderful. It's like, you know, you <laughs> You could go on Main Street there in in Disneyland and 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 go to the local tobacconist. You know they they modeled these little uh, businesses out of you know Middle America, uh, United States. Uh, you know just small town stuff. And of course you know you had your general store and you had your tobacco shop. And so you could go get a you know ounce of ounce of Disney World pipe tobacco. Absolutely. And you know in some of the rides you do actually still see pipes kind of uh, play into it. Pirates of the Caribbean. There's some there's some pipe smoking pirates that are that are there. Um, you know, even even after the overhaul they recently did with the Johnny Depp films to to try to get them more in line. I got yep. to tell you though, I, I went to Classic Pirates of the Caribbean and I went to the new one. I like it classic better. You like you like the classic? Yeah, stuff. it just seems too gimmicky with the Johnny Depp thing. Like everybody, like every single segment, like we're trying to find Jack Sparrow. <laughs> it's like well, you weren't like you know like it's I don't know. It just it it feels a little too <laughs> cheesy and then. Uh, he like pops up at the end and I don't want to spoil the ride, I guess, but he's just like sitting there with a the crown and all this gold and, and then it's just Johnny Depp that's talking to you. And you just kind of feel like you're taken out of the whole entire experience a little bit. So out of control. Yeah, but it was it was cool to, to, to see. I was like, all right, yeah, cool. We, yep. we, we do still have some pipe smoking robots at Disneyland. That's right. That's, that's right. That makes me happy. Well, all that to say, you know, uh, Walt Disney, of course, one of the most famous uh, pipe smokers of the 20th century, one of the most famous uh, humans of the 20th century, uh, and, uh, you know, someone that, uh, you know, we don't know a lot about his pipe smoking. He was obviously, as you alluded to before, uh, a very uh, prolific cigarette smoker. He, uh, you know, was constantly with this nervous energy turning to turning to cigarettes, uh, and, and, um, and, and but the, the pipe was part of his experience. There's uh, old anecdotes of some of his uh, co 
coworkers and employees kind of messing with his pipe tobacco while he was sitting around. If he wasn't looking, maybe they'd put some pencil shavings or something <gasps> in his pipe tobacco uh, just to kind of mess with him a little no. bit. But, uh, you know, uh, he, there's just always uh, always something, though, around Walt Disney that, uh, <laughs> of course, you, you identify with him as a pipe smoker and uh, and certainly as a, as a creative. And so, um, yeah, just, just a fascinating figure, someone not only as a pipe smoker in himself, but also, as you mentioned, Bo, someone that incorporated a lot of these uh, you know these images and visuals of you know cigars and pipes throughout uh, throughout his you know characters and um, and so we owe a lot to him uh, you know in kind of the history of pipe smoking um, in the in the 20th century. You know, it, there's there's almost kind of a debate as to where you know there's a lot of people that would say that you know Walt Disney would be rolling in his grave to know that you know Disneyland and Disney World have kind of backtracked on uh, kind of kind of featuring pipes and, and cigars and such. Sure, there's sure. A, there's also a camp that kind of looks at some of the work coming out of Disney near his final days and kind of wonders, you know, was he actually struggling with with actually addiction? You know, one of the things sure. we we love yeah. we love pipes, we love pipe tobacco. We obviously we we do a podcast about it and uh, have have a lot of passion for for it. But but you know, one thing we you know obviously would frown upon is is giving yourself over to anything. That's right. And so you know, you look at you know some of the things like for example, there was this uh, 1950 I want to say 1951 uh, cartoon that was put out. Yeah, 1951 uh, cartoon. That was a it was a goofy cartoon, uh, and I yeah. don't mean goofy as in quote goofy, but goofy as in the character. Yeah, the character goofy. Yeah, and it was kind of this this no smoking campaign that they put out, and it was interesting because throughout that that whole uh, the narrative that's being told in that short is of Goofy who is addicted to smoking, and so he's constantly like he's got uh, he's he's got his cigars and his pipes, but it's the cigarettes that are just constantly absolutely destroying. Him. Yeah, yeah, and and so you you almost kind of wonder like you know was this was this something that perhaps Walt Disney was wrestling with? Had he completely given himself over to this, which uh, is is tragic if that's the case. We don't know. To, to some extent, right. it is a debate that kind of goes on. Into, to well, he was very private about that kind Absolutely, of stuff, too. Yeah. He was a very private person. Uh, you know, he, he certainly had a had a different, uh, you know, uh, constitution, character, uh, you know, what he presented to the to the world. But then uh, behind the scenes, you know, he, he was uh, he was very private. So um, anyway, we, we know uh, in some ways uh, a little about uh, about him. Uh, but we do know that um, you know he he did contribute a lot to our culture and oh, uh, big time and obviously uh, obviously deserves a, a Heroes of the Bowl episode. Well, you know who else uh, contributes a lot to our culture? Missouri Meerschaum. The good folks at Missouri Meerschaum. <laughs> That's exactly that? right. That's exactly right. Man, we've got a pipe uh, that is sponsoring this show uh, this week from Missouri Meerschaum. Corncob pipe. Uh, what do you call this little thing? That dude is the shortstop. The shortstop. I love the shortstop. Because I was about to call it the little devil, but that's not right. Because that that that, that that's another pipe. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we yeah. we encourage you to check that one out too. But the uh, the shortstop at Missouri Meerschaum. What they've done here, and when I when I first saw this pipe, I fell in love with it. It is a it is a small frame pipe, and what what they did is they took the the bowl of the Missouri Meerschaum mini pipe. It's the same bowl that the oh, mini yeah. pipe has. Okay, uh, but they they put a much longer. <laughs> They put a much longer shank on they the pipe. They turned it into a real pipe. They, they, yeah, it's they a did. Real pipe. I know. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they took the bowl of the mini pipe and they actually put a, a much longer shank on that pipe. Uh, and, and it just turns it into this great little uh, kind of pocket billiard corncob pipe. It's a, it's a wonderful pipe. So uh, very incredibly light, a small bowl, uh, but a much longer uh, shank in order to make the smoke just a little more comfortable, a little cooler, and uh, and it's a more practical pipe than the miniature pipe. 
pipe as well. You know, we talk all the time about uh, corn cob pipes, Missouri Meerschaum pipes, and, and how it's great. You, you've got to have some corn cobs as part of your, your your toolkit. You know, for for when you're sampling tobaccos, that sort of thing. I mean, the beautiful thing about this one, this little uh, shortstop, this is great for in a pinch because it'll handle about a pinch of tobacco. That's about it. And so if you're if you're out and about and you want to try something new, sample something new, or you know you don't. Uh, know, know what you're getting into, man. This this is uh, this is you're exactly right. This is a perfect pocket pipe. The, so. the, the bowl is literally big enough to to put your tamper into, and that's about it. <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. So great, uh, great pipe. Uh, of course, what you would expect uh, from the folks at Missouri Meerschaum. Uh, comes in a couple different finishes, which uh, which they're uh, they do very often. But uh, check out all the Missouri Meerschaum pipes uh, on their website, on our website, on any website. Uh, and uh, and and if you do have a Missouri Meerschaum shortstop, we encourage you to take. Take a photo of that. Uh, take a photo of you smoking that pipe. Uh, we'll, we'll retweet that out and would love to love to show to the world. So um, anyway. Yeah. Big yeah. Thanks to them for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pipe question of the week. Pipe question of the week this week comes in from uh, Sean. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. All right, so he says, Hey guys, it seems to me that the words sandblasted and rusticated sometimes get used interchangeably. Yeah. Uh, are are all sandblasted pipes considered rusticated? Are all rusticated pipes considered sandblasted? Between retailers and the wealth of knowledge available, uh, there does not seem to be consistent rules that he can see. Uh, he wants to know, he would love to hear what Tobacco Jesus declares <laughs> as truth. Uh, this is, of course, coming from so uh, awful. listener Sean. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so terrible. Sean has come to you in his uh, hour of need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, how shalt we know? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between rusticated and, and sandblasted? Yes, and, yes. And, and are these words interchangeable and, you know, all that? So, uh, yeah, these are different These are different terms for different, uh, different processes of giving texture to a pipe. So uh, a lot of times you will see... Uh, you know, uh, Savinelli's uh, really bad about doing this. They'll list all their 
uh, all their pipes that have texture and are not smooth as rustic. Uh, you know, other uh, sometimes other companies uh, will do that as well. They'll say rustic pipes, or maybe they'll just say blast pipes. Um, but but typically, what the industry industry standard of this is is that a uh, a rusticated pipe is one where texture has been applied to the pipe through through some type of mechanical means okay and so like you've got uh you've got a pipe like the machine touches the the, pipe. the machine actually touches the pipe got right it. and so you've got you've got this pipe and you know we're going to sit here and poke a bunch of little dots in it uh almost think of like uh you know and some some carvers actually do this almost think of like using a dremel tool or like a little a little burr tool to actually actually uh you know put little designs okay. carvings in your pipe yeah, so, yeah so that's what we refer to as rusticated pipes okay rusticated pipes the the tool actually touches the pipe uh, a lot of times think of the carver's knife kind of pulling out little chunks in decorative uh, ways. Um, you know, there's different types of rustication. Some rustication is very, uh, very light. Uh, and so those, those divots or uh, texture might be very small. Some rustication is very deep. Think of, uh, you know, we talked about Costello not too long ago on Country Squire Radio. The the Sea Rock Briar that Costello does. Those are uh, those are rusticated pipes that just have this real authentic, uh, mm. gnarly rustication where they've mm. taken out huge chunks of the outside of the bowl, uh, and and so just real real beautiful sandblasted pipes. And, and a lot of folks just, you know, this is not. It's just kind of lost on them because they don't really know, uh, you know, how this works or what the process uh, entails. But sandblasted pipes, it you're actually sandblasting. You blast the sand out. You're you're actually blasting the pipe. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. actually you're actually blasting the pipe with some type of media. Now this could be sand. A lot of times it's glass beads. It's small glass beads. I mean, isn't sand um, glass beads anyway? Uh, science. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Hashtag science. But <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah you go Google that. That's a different episode on a different podcast. But. <laughs> But yeah, so so you've got uh, you know you've you've got uh, a, a pipe that is basically put into a a container. It, it's like kind of a uh, kind of a cabinet with it's a sandblasting cabinet, and 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 particles are uh, you know blasted at this pipe uh, or at the wood uh, at at a really high speed. And what that does instead of mechanically the the some kind of knife or uh, tool touching the pipe, uh, what sandblasting does is it allows those small particles to take off the the softest. Uh, pieces of the briar, okay? And so you've got pipes that, uh, at this point now, they're exposed to, um, you know, all, all the softest pieces have been removed. And so that's where you start to see these wavy-looking things. A sandblast, mm. you can always tell the difference because it's a wavy pipe. You've got these kind of uh, ridges in the pipe that, that literally look like uh, air air was blown over the pipe uh, because it was um it's pulling out this natural deep texture it's pulling there. out natural deep texture it's yeah. not artificial in any way uh, it's it's really really beautiful and so uh you know some folks prefer a rusticated pipe because they like something that uh is maybe more uniformly uh you know kind of uh you know uh, uh texturized some people like a sandblasted pipe because what sandblasting does is it allows the uh, you know, probably the most uh, famous sandblasted pipe out there is the uh, the Dunhill uh, Shell Briar. You know, this is a pipe that uh, at a very early uh, you know age in its development, they just started kind of taking particles, blasting the the very uh, you know lighter. 
uh, more weak parts of the briar off, and you're just left with these incredible waves of ring grain that just, uh, you know, uh, follow around this this briar. And so, um, you, you know, uh, each one's got their own preference, but they are they are different. They're different things. And so rusticated pipes, uh, again, are going to be uh, physically touched by a hand or a machine, uh, and sandblasted pipes will be, um, you know, typically uh, blasted with uh, with sand or glass. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Well, great, Sean. Thank you so much for asking that question, teacher. What must I that's do? That's a good question. To yeah. become rusticated. Oh, shut up. No, that's. Pretty, that's pretty <laughs> uh, we uh, we love that pipe question of the week. Hey, if you've got a pipe question of the week for us, send it in. Show at countrysquireradio.com. Again, that is show at countrysquireradio.com. Quick, Quick fire with, with the squire. squire. All right, man. These come in from thispipelife.com, specifically Jay Freedy. Freedy? Freedy at thispipelife. Jay Freedy, yeah. Uh, Thispipelife.com. Hear more about them in a minute. All right, here we go. Yep. Middle Earth or Narnia? (sighs) Middle Earth. I did. did, I love Narnia, though. I I, I do love Narnia. I love the imagery. I love what, you know, Lewis was much more explicit with, with all his you know, chronicle stuff about its tie towards uh, spiritual realities. Lewis was much more explicit where Tolkien was much more, it was, it was certainly there. We all acknowledge that if you're a Tolkien, you know, but it person. Took Tolkien a while, but, it, it. but it was, well, it, Tolkien was much more veiled about, yeah. about a lot of it. Yeah. And so uh, I, I love Lewis. I love, uh, I love uh, just the, you know, the, the character of Aslan and uh, I, I don't know, just all that. But, um, but you know, it, I'm, we're, if we're talking about childhood, what I you know preferred more, what I got into more, what I read more, I don't know. I just uh, I have a place for Middle Middle Earth. Yeah, you know, it can be easy not to fully appreciate the fact that Narnia was so much more fantastic. Like like magic. I mean, there's magic obviously yeah, in Middle sure, Earth. Sure, sure. But like like the way that that quote magic kind of plays into every aspect of Narnia, you know, and even even just you know the the benefits of like falling into Narnia because of it, it being out of time, uh, you can go there, live your entire life, come back out, you're a kid again, you know, and, and then do it all over again. There's you know, there's a lot of benefits to uh, to Narnia over, <laughs> over Middle Earth <laughs> from that standpoint. Uh, but yeah, Middle Earth is just so much more hardcore. You got to give it to Middle Earth. I, I but you're right, Narnia is great. I, yeah, I. I for me, that's a tough decision, but I'm going to have to go with Middle Earth. All right. ESV or NAS? Talking about uh, the uh, English Standard Oh, Bible version. translations. New wow, this is, uh, wow, this is interesting. This is uh, this is becoming kind of a—I uh, I see the theme of this uh, thread of— uh, a thread of questions. I'm, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the with the ESV. Oh, uh, I'm, look I'm a, at you. I'm an ESV guy. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great uh, a, a great translation. All right, no, yeah. I'm I'm right with you on that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I was uh, you know the ESV. I think uh, actually one of the uh, one of the main editors when the ESV uh, came forward as a um, a, as a translation. Gosh, this is probably. Um, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, uh, was J.I. Packer, one of my uh, favorite, uh, favorite, uh, you know, preachers and, uh, of course, an, an Anglican priest. And uh, and and uh, just, uh, I don't know, I have a lot of fondness for the ESV. All so right. I'll yeah. go with that. I'm, I'm ESV as well. So very good. All right. Uh, physical Bible or Bible app? I got to go with the physical Bible. I got to have something I can write in. Okay. So, so 
I, I, I like I like you know scribbling stuff. Yeah, that's good. The problem with me is I'm I'm so subconscious about or self conscious about my writing anyway because I'm going to misspell anything that I write. <laughs> that I was never like I was never one to write notes. Like I remember being like you don't write in your Bible anyway. Yeah, I mean like the, there was the, like someone's going to see this and I'll feel like an idiot. The youth pastors <laughs> were always kind of like, oh, you know, write in the margins. I'm like, I don't write. That's just not something that I do. Yeah. That's and crazy. so when I was able to get the Bible on my phone, because the other factor too, and I mean some of our listeners may may know this, maybe you don't, but I'm I'm dyslexic, and so it takes me a lot longer you know time to read but what i found is the the condensed nature of kind of like a screen viewing as opposed to like all of these words yeah. like spread out over the page uh it kind of helps it gives me. your eyes less time to wander or something. exactly interesting and yeah. it, it makes it much much easier uh experience there and i mean there's also just the convenience factor and i think we finally come to a day and age um i don't know if this is universally true in churches all across uh, america but I, I think that we're at at the point where now if i get out my phone in the middle of you know in, a, in the middle of a sermon people probably know that you're looking at your Bible. Exactly. The assumption is that also you might you might be looking at Facebook. Well no, I'm not because <laughs> you know, a lot of churches have terrible reception in their in the, the sexual. That's right. So, That's no, right. I think I think you can uh, so I'm, I'm all about the Bible app. All right, and then finally, a fly rod or spinning rod. I'm not a fisherman. Everyone knows that. But if I had to pick between the two, it'd be a spinning rod because I've actually used that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, spinning rod is super easy. But no, fly rod all the way. Um, ever since I became a, a fly fisherman, it is my preference. Every single time I can get away with it, I'm, I'll, I'll go. You know, I. I I go both ways, but I, I, I have preference for the uh, the fly rod. That's great. All right. Good questions. Great yeah, questions. In- interesting, uh, in- interesting questions. Jay Free, he, man, he, he, sh- he set us up, uh, or she, uh, set us up with a uh, yep. significant list. So we've got some uh, great ones set for next week as well. And of course, those are coming in from the forums at thispipelife.com. Now, if you've not joined thispipelife.com yet, you absolutely should. Thispipelife.com is the website. And when you sign up, use the code CSR to let them know you heard about them on this program. Now, it's absolutely free one way or the other. I don't want to try to convince you that it's not. But when you use that, it helps them know you heard about it here. It helps out the show. And it's like a quick pro quo for JD and Bo. <laughs> <laughs> That's so lame. Uh, but it rhymed. <laughs> but it rhymed. Man, it's a great resource for people looking for uh, looking for uh, just camaraderie in the pipe smoking community. Uh, you know, obviously any kind of help questions, things like that. We do quick fire questions through there, but there's a there's a whole wealth of knowledge uh, through this pipelife.com. Uh, incredible forums, uh, great social media. You can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we encourage you to check all of them out. So um, be sure to do that uh, when you join. Enter the code CSR, and we thank them for supporting the show. Your thoughts, your, your comments. comments, listener feedback. All right. Listener feedback. All right, we, we got to address this. Just I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and knock this one. No, out. that's good. The, the listener feedback has been has been coming in uh, live and fast. No, it, it, yeah, that's, that's that's good. Since the top of the show, and yes, you know, for for the listeners at home, I, I am not wearing what is current, like what is kind of perceived as, and, and intentionally so perceived as my my traditional getup. Typically, I have a, a. Oh yeah, dude, where's your hat? Well, I've, I typically I wear a cap. I wear a baseball short, a shirt of some sort, be it a uh, beard core short or a pot of story short. Yeah. Um, um, today I have no cap, which means my hair looks like this, and I apologize. I, I know that I'm offended. I think the we're eyes. all disgusted, frankly. I, I, no, no one more so than me. <laughs> uh, I have to look at this daily, tw- at least twice a day, <laughs> and it's uh, it's rough. But um, but no, so so this is 
unfortunately what you're getting. Uh, as for the the random shirt and why I'm not uh, prepared, it's Labor Day. It's vacation. That's it. Uh, you know, the, my wife works in the healthcare industry, which means that uh, you know, funny enough, people don't stop being sick or dying <laughs> on, on days. Yeah, off. that's true. That's and true. So, uh, so the she, nerve of those people. I know. So she, so she, of course, was at uh, at work, and I was uh, uh, taking care of uh, my amazing children. Ah, uh, the little Bo Yorks. Yeah, and so uh, so this is what I look like after that. You're welcome. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> also got other folks. Apparently, this is the uh, second or third time we've mentioned how I got my name uh, on Country Squire okay, Radio, which right. is which is interesting. We it, It's funny. Bo and I, we do this so much that we kind of forget some of this stuff. Well, the thing is, I remember uh, aspects of it because, I mean, you know, we've talked about Well, I work the, as such good friends that maybe I've told you about it before or whatever. We've I, talked and, about the JD aspect of it and yeah. kind of diving into that. But I, I, I think it completely went over my head, the fact that you went so long as Jonathan. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, like when I, I, I just, say that, it yeah, just doesn't I was, even sound I mean, natural. For, for I mean, uh, the majority of my life, I was I was Jonathan Cole. Wow, and now I'm not. <laughs> and I much prefer John David, and have okay, been John right. David for 15 years, something like that. All right, John. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What what else do we have here, Bo? We've also got uh, um, you know we, last week we talked about the uh, the the. <laughs> I may have given a little bit of flack to. Uh, uh, you know the the real American hero, GI Joe. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that, suffice to say, there was some debates that continued on 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 Facebook and Twitter after the fact. And uh, uh, I I realized I had an unpopular opinion, but I appreciate those of you. M eighties <laughs> uh, and GI Joe toys made up the nineties as, and it made it a great time for uh, for Hockter, uh, uh, aka the Love Doctor. That's right. Um, he, he wanted to give that uh, shout out there. We also have uh, Tobin uh, Pilati. Am I, am I pronouncing that correct? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But he says, uh, great show. Uh, I am relatively new to pipe smoking, and I'm very I'm really geeking out on the whole pipe history and types, uh, types of pipes, I'm assuming. So uh, thanks for doing this show, uh, Tobin. We appreciate you reaching out. Really hope you enjoy your pipe adventures, and uh, stick with it, man. I, you know, I, every time I hear of a new pipe smoker getting into it, I, my biggest encouragement is uh, is is surround yourself with resources and stick with it you're going to really enjoy it uh don't get frustrated uh stick with it find some tobaccos that you really enjoy and uh it'll bless your heart yeah yeah well man uh look talking about tonight we were we, walt disney i mean like I, I almost kind of feel like that was uh some uh, hero of the bowl we probably should have done a while back a long time ago to i guess some to extent some extent we maybe we have yeah. i mean you know it's it's something we've uh we've talked about him before uh just because of the you know, prolific nature of his influence on American culture, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he deserved his own episode. We gave it to him. Hey, uh, one one last thing before we uh, uh, officially sign out here. Next week, um, we will not have a live show. We're, we're throwing you off because I mean, here we are on a holiday and we we did a live show. But next week, we actually will not have a live show as John David will be globe hopping. Uh, but we will have a special uh, co-host. Some call him Caleb. Uh, the rest of us call him intern. The intern. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. Uh, so really looking forward to it. I'm excited about this. I've, I've got, yeah. I, I have a, have a direction that I hope the show goes in, but we won't know until it happens. <laughs> uh, but, when, but that's the thing when, when they're interns, you don't necessarily feel comfortable putting them on the, on the webcam yet. You know, yeah, you know, you got, you got to put the training wheels on. Right? Yeah. 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 Like what, yeah. The, what would happen? You might show up looking like I look like now I can yeah. get away with this. Cause we've been doing this for years. <laughs> but like, you know, you know, young, young, young guns gotta, you know, gotta work. He got to earn his stripes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, <laughs> next week no live show, but we will of course have the podcast coming your way on Wednesday. That's right. Uh, and so we we hope that you enjoy the woman that we have uh, scheduled for you coming up here next week. Uh, but that 
not being the case, after that, we will be back to the regularly scheduled program. That's, of course, Monday nights where you can tune in live at CountrySquireRadio.com. And, of course, you can tune in every single Monday night, not next week, but after that on 830 uh, uh 8.30 Central, 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern. Uh, you can also keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow me. I'm at the Real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at at underscore Country Squire. Of course, all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Well, there it is, man. It was great. It was great. We're, look, we're already getting people tweeting in pictures of shortstop Country Squire, or shortstop uh, Missouri Mearsham pipes. Yeah, look at Russ Hicks that putting wonderful? that out there. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's one of the best pipes out there. Smoking a little Green Dragon in it. He's, uh, he's doing good. <laughs> green Dragon with the Country Squire. That's that's what we're... I mean, it's Green Dragon. We so love it. Yeah, that's yeah, it's great. It's Green Dragon. I mean, you know, it's just no telling what's in that. <laughs> All right, man. Wait, let's go have a night. See you, brother. listening to Country Squire Radio, a member of the Pottery Network. For more information on this and other shows, please visit pottery.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.